Welcome to Tomro Talk Circular, where we explore how businesses, municipalities, and governments are collaborating towards a circular economy. The podcast that delves into the latest innovations, initiatives, and ideas driving a circular economy across the globe. I'm your host, Mitu Mohan. During May 29th to June 1st of this year, around 1,700 participants from around the globe came together in Paris for UNEA's second of five sessions of the Intergovernmental Negotiation Committee on Plastic Pollution, also known as INC2. The purpose of these sessions is to negotiate a legally binding agreement on plastic pollution, including marine environment, by the end of 2024. Among the participants, including representatives from NGOs, IGOs, member states, and others, were representatives of the International Solid Waste Association, you might know them as ISWA, and TUMRA, with a focus on determining exactly what will be up for negotiation in what is commonly called the Plastics Treaty, our two guests today worked tirelessly, and I do mean tirelessly from what I've heard, to demonstrate what role waste management has to play in the fight against plastic pollution. Joining us today is Nancy Strand, Senior Advisor at Afar Norge and a Board Member and Treasurer at ISWA. Back again is Jakob Rogenhauer, Vice President, Public Affairs, System Design at Tomra. This is the second INC that Jakob has attended, and after a bit of sleep, he's been telling me a bit about what he experienced. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Mito. So Nancy, perhaps we can just dig right into it. Um, could you provide an overview of what you saw at the INC too? Um, thank you so much, and, uh, and uh, thank you for uh, inviting me. Um, the INC2 uh, was uh, first and foremost a negotiation meeting uh, between the, the member states of, uh, of UN, UNEP, the environmental program of, of uh, UN. And um, uh, I must say it started uh, with a very, on a very formal, formal note. And uh, uh, several countries decided to talk on mostly on the, those sort of for, formal proceedings and the voting rights, uh, etc. And uh, that took uh, more than two days of the of the whole week. But I must say, uh, thanks to a, a very strong and efficient uh, INC, the, the negotiation committee, they they managed to start discussing substantively. Uh, what should be the content of this treaty? Um, and also, I was very happy to to uh, to see that by the end of the week, uh, the member states decided that okay, next step will be to have the first draft uh, of the treaty, which was the the main objective of INC two in the first place. Yeah, that's what I understood. So this this slow process at the beginning, this was not expected, right? This was just something that happened. I think that the sort of uh, how strong uh, this was because these were, were issues that uh, that remained from the INC one, the first meeting. I think Jacob can tell us a little bit more about that. But the how strong this opposition uh, was uh, in the beginning of the meeting um, that was not expected. Okay, Jacob. Um, yeah, as Nancy's brought it up, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more. What were some of the differences? between this session and what you saw at INC1? Yeah, so so how I, on the first INC, I was really surprised by the engagement. 
by you know so many country representatives but also from the observer organizations that were there that really asked for wanted and argued argued very strongly for an ambitious treaty that was was one element i think that side really was at the same level um you know uh, it was uh, a general uh, a very positive ambitious attitude of course not everyone agree uh, there are um, you know p- uh, stakeholders from both sides here and um, strong on both sides but the general tone uh, the majority i would say represent uh, a ask for an ambitious uh, ambitious and uh, ambitious uh, treaty another thing that i uh, at least my my perception is that i think the discussions have matured considerably INC1 was the first time we met um you know there were talks i think people used a lot of words they didn't really understand what the the meaning of and we talked about used the same words about things but had totally different understanding of it interesting uh, yeah. the structure in in these talks were were not that impressive um so you were left with some kind of chaos feeling that uh, was dramatically better now uh, i think it has matured there has been several uh, events both organized by unep uh, the inc uh, and also by stakeholders um, like the high ambition coalition have had webinars and so on so i think everyone are on a much more mature level um and if it continues we're not there already but if it continues like this this gives really hope for for a meaningful discussion going going forward okay well that's good to hear that it is everything remains at a very positive um opportunity searching note so and that you have two sides at least i'm guessing at least two sides uh, that's why we have these sessions i just rest a bit there i wouldn't say everything remains at a very positive but but it's it's a, a loud voice from those who really want effective uh, treaty to take uh, place um okay. and the majority in terms of numbers are on that side i would say um, the parties are getting serious which is good which is what we need um nancy inclusivity and social equity are crucial aspects of sustainability i'm hearing this more and more i'm reading this more and more did inc2 pri- prioritize any of these topics I think that uh, I think this topic uh, uh, showed itself to be high on the agenda when among the observers there were organizations from municipal side from from waste picker organization all over the world uh, gender issues uh, were discussed so I think this aspect I think also the the role of municipalities the the role of the, to establish sustainable communities that is sort of part of this uh, uh, this uh, treaty the aspects of of um, implementing an ambitious uh, treaty in that sense uh, the just transition of of the informal sector in particular is uh, i think is a very important topic for the for waste management uh, uh, industry all over the world okay what what other topics what other big topics did you see there you jakob either one of you or both of you I I think one one thing that's worth mentioning and and that for those who follow the process probably are familiar there is um among the negotiators you can say there is kind of two groups right that those who ask for a legally binding treaty you know with global rules and and measure harmonization of of policies implemented on um in national um uh, context 
uh, and those who rather ask for um, a more bottom-up approach, uh, mm. where it's up to every country to uh, set their targets and implement uh, accordingly. So, so that's one topic that is still relevant and maybe a, a big divider among uh, the, the, the two groups, you can say. Um, then uh, another thing which catches a lot of oh, attention, that's the upstream measures. So should the treaty contains bans on bans and phase-outs, restrictions on polymers, on chemicals, and on plastic products, problematic plastic products, that takes a lot of uh, focus in this discussion as well. Nancy probably have more to more to. Yeah, I think for for because this this started uh, in the beginning when we started discussing the national uh, uh, global treaty, it was about controlling leakage to the environment. But uh, when the final uh, agreement or decision was made, it was a life cycle approach. And for ISFA, it has been really important that okay, first of all, we need to make sure that waste management is an important part of the solutions here but also to bridge the gap between those who are most concerned about uh, the, the level of production and, and consumption of plastics and the, the sort of the uh, circularity uh, of the plastics economy. And we have to bridge the gap here because there's no contradiction. Uh, we talk about circular design. So Jacob mentioned here examples. Uh, we need to talk about sustainability criteria. Uh, we need to talk about single-use plastics. So... This is there is no contradiction here, but we, we for ISWA it become it became an, an, an important message at INC2 to bridge the gap between um, the upstream prevention measures and circularity the economy with uh, basic waste management uh, to uh, stop open burning, stop open dumping. This is so and the access to waste collection all over the world as a basic uh, right. We must have both. That became the the core message from from ISWA. And and build a bit on that. So one one saying that many stakeholders are bringing, they're saying we cannot recycle our way out of this. And at least from Tomra's side, and also from the Business Coalition for a Global Plastic Treaty that Tomra is a member and uh, working with, that's a saying we are using. But it doesn't mean that. Recycling is not important. The waste management is not important. But we cannot only recycle a way out of this. We need upstream measures. Uh, we need, you know, the whole value chain to, to contribute. Yeah. But, but just there is, no, there is no scenario to address plastic pollution that doesn't include proper and strong system for handling end-of-life plastic. That includes collection. It includes recovery for recycling to maximize that. And it includes safe disposal or whatever cannot be uh, be recycled. So um, I think waste management doesn't get the focus it needs uh, right now, as it's a more controversial maybe uh, or more hot topics to the to talk about upstream measures, informal sector, human health, these kind of things. But I in every overview it is there what i'm looking forward to though is when we will see more detailed discussions because this is not straightforward the western world needs to revamp how we are collecting recycling uh, and and handling end-of-life plastic in europe uh, about 50 percent ends up in landfills in incinerations 
right? Mm. The systems exist uh, where where we can recover this, for instance, through sorting the residue waste before it enters this. Um, then you have on the other side, you have countries without waste management in place today, developing uh, states. Actually, they can look into the high-performing regions and be inspired by what they are doing. And I think some of these solutions, like what I just mentioned, sorting of the residual waste, can actually be very cost-efficient way that uh, requires less administration and are more feasible for them to actually address this problem. I could see a potential where the developing, if we have an effective treaty, the developing world actually can leapfrog some of the developing worlds, not walking the broken pathway that the pioneers uh, has been walking, but actually learn from the few examples of high-performing systems and moving in that direction directly. So although they will have a lot of challenges to do this, um, I think there are also opportunities. So that's what I miss a bit here is engagement from waste management sector and recyclers. It is a lot of stakeholders that engage, but this sector is compared to the role it will play, compared to the opportunity it is for this industry, I, I think it's underrepresented. And I will really encourage anyone in this sector that are listening to this uh, to consider participate. And there are ways to do it, it through ISVA, are actively involved if you are there, or joining the High Ambition Business Coalition. Sorry, it's not the High Ambition, but the Business Coalition for a Global Plastic Treaty. Uh, now, more than 100 businesses, financial institutions, and organizations are joining and really asking for a legally binding treaty with, you know, global rules and obligations, all acknowledging that voluntary systems are not enough. So if you are on that side, there are ways for you as, as a company to, to engage um, through these uh, channels. We really appreciate you listening to this episode and hope you're enjoying it. Still, there's always room for improvement and we'd like to get your feedback. Be sure to complete the survey you'll find on the description page of this podcast. So if I'm listening to and understanding what both of you are saying, what we have said again and again and again, you really have to go at this from a holistic perspective, upstream, downstream, and everything in between and beyond it, if we are to be serious about a sustainable way to manage plastic pollution. Okay, so what Inger Andersen says is this is not a treaty against plastic, it's, it's a treaty on plastic pollution. That's number one. But we also know that in effective waste management, you have great opportunities and synergies if you look at waste as a whole in collection, uh, in sorting, in, in final disposal. But this treaty kind of, uh, it will not be likely that it will also address glass and metal and all the other things. But what I think is important is that this treaty is really giving an opportunity to address plastic pollution through a holistic approach. So not excluding the holistic approach. If we only look at plastic and want to solve waste management, recycling and all of that, uh, I think it will not work. But you, you will lose um, the opportunity to have high efficient systems. You will lose the opportunity to have cost efficient systems uh, that you only get by addressing waste as a, as a whole, the end of life product. As a whole. If I can add something there, because I think that uh, we, when we have been working on on projects on pl better plas 
plastic waste management, we very soon see that uh, you, you have to take into account organic waste, for instance. So this, when you talk about uh, the access to waste collection, it, it needs to be an holistic approach. I'm not sure how is that supposed to be sort of uh, uh, taken care of in the elements of the treaty, but to, to have this approach is, is, uh, is very important. And I, I think I'm, I must just uh, uh, support uh, Jacob here in the sort of encouragement to, to the waste sector all over the world, uh, in all regions and all countries, that uh, engage. And, and what ISWA has done, uh, we, we have made a, a, both a member, a national member group, where we encourage our national members to reach out to their national delegation point. Because all uh, all national uh, all the nationalities, the national uh, delegations uh, in the INC process, they have a contact point where you can reach out and say, "This is this is our policy. This is our recommendations." To make sure what we see is needed is more knowledge on waste management. We see that this is this is basic knowledge for us, but it's not uh, common. So we need to reach out and say, this is our recommendations. And this, some, this can be done in all countries, adapted, of course, to, to, to uh, um, national environment uh, and uh, framework, of course. And, and uh, we have also established an, an expert group where experts from, from the whole value chain, from all our members uh, in all parts of the value circle can come with their knowledge and share and make sure that this knowledge is part of our policies our recommendations, our input and interventions to the negotiation process. So I think this engagement, and I mean, we will never have the same opportunity again. That's my thinking. We will, it, this is a once in a, in a lifetime opportunity yeah. to influence how uh, all the things that we've discussed, we have discussed about extended producer responsibility, the market for recycled materials, uh, standards, uh, sustainability criteria, all these things we want to improve. This is such a golden opportunity. So we really join the, the business coalition. Please join uh, join ISFA and our work on on the treaty. So I mean, engage in your in your own environment, in your own country. It's uh, this is really a golden opportunity to to see some really positive change. And from from Tomar's side, who now have systems operating in more than 100 countries, we have mapped out where do we find the highest performing uh, systems in terms of cost efficiency, recycling rate, and, and carbon uh, emissions. Uh, and it's a 100% correlation. Where you find the effective system is also where you find the strongest and the most comprehensive policy and legal framework. So. This is just to back up, back you up on this. This is a real opportunity to accelerate and much needed uh, uh, improvement on uh, waste management of plastic, also with synergies to the general waste management and recycling. So it sounds to me like uh, this is really a chance for all of us to get engaged, and we need to do this because you've both said it's, it is really the biggest and most important opportunity, and we all have a voice. So whether you're in Paris or we're in Paris or not. Whether you will be in Nairobi or not, we can still all get involved. So use the opportunity. Speaking of Nairobi, so INC3 will take place there, I believe, in November or December of this year. Can you give us um, an idea of what we should expect there? Because these, these sessions sort of build on each other, the five sessions. We've gotten through one and two. 
Um, what what can we expect in INC3? Now they will be uh, developed. Uh, the chair has been mandated with support from the INC secretariat to develop, establish a zero draft. Um, and what I expect is that this will be then in place for that and will be negotiated. Probably with some conclusions, uh, probably with uh, some uh, areas that need further work. Um, and then for INC4, you know, there will be a revision of this zero draft and the negotiations will, will continue. That will be my, my guess on how the process will mm -hmm. go on. The same thing will happen for INC5 uh, with a new revision and hopefully then a conclusion on, on, on a treaty that um, can be ratified in each and every country. From ISPA's side is uh, what we uh, expect and uh, uh, maybe hope, I'm not sure, but uh, is that, uh, okay, there are some issues here that will cause uh, more discussions. Uh, there is a gap between those who really want this ambitious treaty and those who, who, who want a more general approach to it. But I think that there are some uh, elements here that it's not that difficult to agree upon and that some of them uh, are definitely linked to to waste management and there are some these elements is what i'm hoping is that uh, in the first draft these elements are included and agreed upon but let's say this this basic stop burning uh, stop open dumping of waste these very basic elements controlling waste and stopping leakage these basic elements need to be there and, and uh, there is no real disagreement. Uh, that's my interpretation. So I'm hoping that, okay, there will be some, some uh, questions and topics uh, and elements to, to, to be discussed and uh, probably not easy to find a common ground. But there are also elements that we can already uh, say that this is something we, we need to have included and let's just uh, decide upon them. Um, so that's my expectations and hope. So thank you both for this. So we're going to wrap this conversation up. Uh, I would like to know your perspectives, your opinions on, uh, on these conferences. Do you really think that they will be fruitful in the end? Will we land up with a binding instrument or a treaty? What's, what's your gut feeling? Nancy, let me start with you. Um, so my gut feeling is that uh, yes, we will definitely end up with a with a treaty. I I think there will be a lot of rather difficult discussions ahead to to get this uh, the ambitious legally binding life cycle in 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 all sort of sense of this uh, life cycle uh, approach. But I think it's going to be difficult. But at the same time, I'm also optimistic. Yeah. And I'm more optimistic the more engagement we have uh, around this and uh, the more attention we are able to draw to this process. And so that will be some of the, I think that will be an important part of, of uh, the work from ISWA uh, in the inter intersessional uh, work between the negotiations meeting to draw attention to the process because I think that's very important for the for the politicians who in the end yeah. are the ones who, who decide uh, on all the elements of the treaty. Yeah, I think you said it very well, Nancy. Uh, I, of course, it's going to be difficult. It's uh, 196 countries that you know have their interests, their background, their history, and the, yeah. Um, 
this is going to be diff difficult, uh, but it is a very good opportunity. And until the deal is made, um, you know, I don't think we should talk about how difficult it is. We should talk about what opportunities we have. And it is a fact that uh, by engagement, because we need engagement from everyone throughout the, the value, from governments, from non-governments, from businesses, and, and so on, we have a chance to influence this and, and to really uh, make a massive impact if it is successful. Um, so I would say there is very little to lose. I mean, what we have today doesn't really work. And if the treaty fails, that's what we will be end with. But it is an opportunity to really make a change. And I think that should be the focus right now, not looking at all the troubles, but how can we find a solution? And I encourage again everyone to participate with a positive, um, constructive mindset, sharing information, uh, and um, then also listening is important here. And there's always two sides to the story, but engaging in the process. Good. So on that positive note um, from both of you, thank you both for your time today and especially on the insights on the remarkable work being done through through UNEA and the collaboration across really all walks of life, if I understand you correctly, to create a more sustainable world. We've heard again uh, and again and again that uh, we can all be a part of working towards a greener future. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Please leave us a rating, subscribe, and turn on notifications to comment on this episode. Visit circular-economy.tamra.com slash podcast.